Welcome to the Watershed Series. Each month, the Arts and Literature Laboratory hosts the Watershed Reading Series, a friendly and bountiful reading featuring local and visiting writers. You can learn more about it at artlitlab.org. So Sarah Sadie is a co-editor of Co-Feather Press and one of the poet lords of Madison, Wisconsin from 2012 to 2015. And she lives in Wisconsin with her family. Her poems and books have won the Council of Wisconsin Writers Neck uh, Nidecker and Posner Prizes, as well as a push cart. Do-It-Yourself Paper Airplanes, her most recent chapbook, was published in 2015 by Five Oaks Press. Sarah teaches online at The Loft, the University of Iowa Summer Writing Festival, and occasionally elsewhere. These days, you can find her blogging at Dowsing for Divinity on the Pathos Pagan channel, and occasionally posting articles, pictures, and notes of interest on her website. Sarah Sadie supports the work of the Overpass Light Brigade, which you've heard mentioned earlier today, and that's an organization that signs messages over highways and public spaces to promote grassroots and progressive causes. Round of applause for Sarah Sadie. Thank you. I thought I would read a couple of my poems from this book, and then I also wanted to read a couple of poems by other writers because there is such a rich, uh, rich, rich mix, and I want to give some space to those voices as well. So the first poem I'm going to read was a poem that I was actually asked to write by the city of Madison when I was uh, Poet Laureate. This was back in 2012, and um, the occasion was that in Warner Park, they were going to rededicate the um, the replica Statue of Liberty that had been um, refurbished, and this was not the first time that it was refurbished. It had been, you know, regularly, and and so they had they had done this. And um, being a laureate is such a a wonderful opportunity to bring the individual to to explore the intersection of the individual voice with civic with civic community, and to try to say something. So I wrote, she is so fragile, this figure set here to stand in 2012. A gift inherited from a time when citizens were blacklisted for belief and neighbor, friend, coworker called on to rat each other out. A time when it was easy, tempting, and even seemed sensible to fear and to despise. Likewise, first restored as generations clashed, arguing a war's reason, a war's cost, arguing questions of civil rights, how far they should extend, how far we would extend ourselves. Those times not unlike this time. Each era takes its turn, and so we gather here, thanks to the unpaid hours of volunteers, the slow-earned pennies collected by children in a local elementary school, which will, this fall, with all the other schools, be locked. When we go home today, liberty will remain to occupy this park, holding her torch, sustaining her puzzles and paradox, how to be free and indivisible at once. Let us be generous with each other. Let us be of good cheer that future generations may tell us as they restore her yet again 
that she eroded only from the rain and not from hate nor fear. This is a poem by uh, Patricia Goodrich, poet laureate of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, titled Holstein and Stones. And um, Ezra Pound said that poetry is news that stays news. And um, I have been very aware recently of how bombarded we are by news and what does that do to us and what kind of news do we hear, what kind of news don't we hear. So I thought I would read this poem, Holstein and Stones. The white patches look less like a Holstein heifer. Still, they stand out against the ground, reminders of a winter not quite gone, although the sun's angle would have one believe otherwise. So late a spring, even the newscasters ignore the absence of cherry blossoms in Washington. Without their cheery distraction, there is no reprieve from the flurries of bad news, suicide plane crashes, beheadings, unwelcome alliances, ancient fights over riparian rights, and black underground pools. This morning, I turned on the television and couldn't stomach the chatter and went back to bed and slept past later. Here I sit with my second cup of coffee, chewing on the cud of this day, trying to write myself to dandelion pastures, like Uncle Ray's, where glacial field stones work their way up each spring, vital as any bulb, there for my picking. Stones I'd stack and collect. Stones Michiganders used to build homes and chimneys, not so different from the Berber houses I've visited in Morocco's Atlas Mountains, half a world away. Although there, the bells you hear are of sheep and goats. And there, I would share a glass of green tea with women who spin and weave and drum together, determined to make their own news. A, another poem set in 2016. Uh, this one is by Paulette Hansel, Poet Laureate of Cincinnati, Ohio, on grief, November 2016. <laughs> the sixth stage of grief is meaning, says the man who ought to know, the one up at the death and dying podium who flies around the country fueled by our tears. I like this guy. He says, no matter how rich the meaning, it is never worth the cost. But we're a meaning-making animal, that's me talking now, always searching for some reason, as if this unnatural disaster of a president-elect will turn out to be the push-off-the-cliff edge this country needed, or maybe it's how Mary meets Bob or Barb or Miguel at the No Trump March, and the kid they'll raise will cure dementia someday, but too late for my mother or Ronald Reagan or our country, and maybe for me if mom has the kind that runs in the family after all. Two. Back at the nursing home, the shriveled lady whose dementia is resting on a step or two before my mom's looks over the table at us as my fingers slip some bits of fruit between my mother's lips and asks, who has your heart? I'd say it's pretty obvious, which maybe is her point or maybe not. 
My mother doesn't have my heart, not literally, but I read on the internet, therefore it must be true, that fetal cells remain inside the mother's body all her life, so she may have me in her heart, or in her spleen, or a bit of me floating around her withering brain, which might explain how she can tell me sometimes what I had for dinner, or who just died, or that the apples we brought, bought from the market aren't worth the cost. <laughs> Three, the principles of grief work, the grief guy declares, are say goodbye to who they were, start new with whoever they are now. And my mother and I are doing pretty well, at least today, with our commingling cells, but I don't think I will be making nice with the country we're about to get. It's bedtime for Bonzo all over again, except without directors or a script, and the contract on America has been renewed, this time as unreality television. The last TV show I really liked was Buffy the Vampire Slayer from way back when the other Clinton was in office. I know I'm not the only one. Just last week I saw a rusting Toyota with the bumper sticker, What Would Buffy Do? She'd <laughs> kick some ass, that's what. I'm going to stick with anger, stage two. this is a poem that I wrote um, not for a public occasion <laughs> if only if only we would remember we're animals soft in our needs if only we could make peace with the fact of our bones I keep a small pile of teeth my daughters beside my mirror. Not all of them, but the last few kept once I learned about time. I say to you, a woman is her own wild source in this world. Touch deep to find that small burrowed self that sleeps through arid winter. Trust the thaw will come in its time and we will breathe that new element bravely. I use woman in the universal sense of the word, of course. I use daughter in the universal sense of the world. Thank you. That was a reading from the Arts and Literature Laboratory Watershed Series. To learn more about it, visit artlitlab.org.